Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, Asher bakarbanu mikol hamim, Venatan lanu et torato, Baruch atah Adonai, Noten haTorah. Amen. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai, May we experience the final redemption speedily and soon in our days, and let the resurrection begin. Yehi Tekiyat Metim. Come on, bring it. Well, I'm very excited as you can see. First of all, we are now singing again. Music is in the er. Um, I just want to give a heads up that uh, yes, Aleph Memtov is working on new music. So uh, look out for that. And with that being said, it is hard to juggle podcasting and songwriting. Not that I'm complaining, but just uh, if you see me being a little sporadic, that's because that's what's going on. And just uh, another announcement, the Agarit to the Romans podcast shall continue with the help of Hashem. Uh, It will be changing formats. So I have uh, chapter two to finish up about the circumcision of the heart. Uh, so that's a fun subject and everything about that. So uh, for those of you who've been listening to that series, um, that is the status update. Um, I know I'm building a, a large tower with uh, that series because when it comes to content of the Brit Hadashah, we don't have original manuscripts, but we do have the Torah. And what manuscripts we do have, we can uh, cohesively put it together. Because that's the way the Torah works, by the way. The Torah that we have is not in accurate order. That comes from Shavile Pincus, who I call Shonuf Pincus uh, for Parashah Shemini. He brings down lots of commentary and insight from the Chazal about how the Parashot are not in order and all that. That's why there's either 53 or 54 Torah portions. So it's like... Give or take, you know, it could be the garden or it can be judgment. You know, it's just kind of like what? Because gun is garden, which is 53 in Gematria. Dean is 54, which is judgment. So it's just kind of like we're between the garden and judgment on the par show. It depends on what you do with the Torah portion. Literally, um, it's uh, Nitzavim and, and uh, Vayelik. Those two sometimes are read together, sometimes they're not. Uh, same thing with Matot Masse. And uh, if we have a leap year and how that all falls out. And so, you know, there's lots of different things. And the Torah itself, as we know, is not in order. So this is why, you know, we have the creation account and we have the giving of the Torah. And it's like the Torah should have started off with the giving of the Torah so that we know Hashem is the one who gave it. And then we can go back and cover all the stories. And it's just like, well, the Torah is more than stories. So there's all that. But anyway, that's all to say that, um, you know, you have to be able to put the Torah in the right order. And that can only happen through Mashiach Yeshua. Because, again, commentary from Parsha Yitro brought down by um, who I like to call G. Shekel. His name is Gadai. He is uh, in India. Uh, with Bet Yisrael, 
Uh, he is Bezrat Hashem, a Lapid over there doing amazing big things. And uh, he was bringing down all sorts of commentary uh, in his post. Uh, he posts exactly like Benny B. So he just takes a whole bunch of sources, cites them, and just lets it fly and does a little beautiful commentary on everything. But he brought this down in Parsha Yitro that if the Torah could be read in the right order, then one could do such things like resurrect the dead, create worlds, and so on and so forth. Or see the example of Betzalel who built the Mishkan. So that's what it means to recite the Torah in order. And the other reason why I brought this up anyway at all, because this Torah portion, Va'et Hanan, the Aleph Tav Canon, as I like to call it, if you are on my uh, anchor or my podcast um, little page here, you can actually scroll back a year to this tour portion, and I literally named it the Ve'et Canon, because, I mean, it's Vav, Aleph, Tav, Canon, you know, like Hanan, grace, you know, the grace of the Aleph, Tav through the Vav which is the Vav is Mashiach. So here we find the grace of Torah. Here we find the greatest commandment in the Torah, just saying. But anyway, um, I, I brought that all down. And so the reason why I'm saying this is because when Moshe went up, wow, back up, good thing we're flying because I would be all over the road right now. So anyway, uh, flight suits on, engage, and go. Okay, so like, when uh, this Torah portion actually coincides beautifully with Parsha Yitro, which is the giving of the Torah. And when the Torah was given, Moshe had to go up the mountain to receive it, even though Hashem spoke two commandments. He actually spoke all 10 at once, which is the 613, because 6 plus 1 plus 3 is 10. And 613 just so happens to equal 10. And so on and so forth. So when you look at all that, um, the other thing is that, okay, so he spoke all 613, even though he spoke all 10, he spoke that when he said Anoki, which is I wrote myself down. I wrote my essence down. I gave you my soul written form. Like that's literally the acronym for Anoki. So literally just even if in saying the Aleph of Anoki, which has no sound, Hashem gave the whole Torah, which is the whole reason why, you know, uh, the enemies of Hashem will be vanquished by his breath in time to come. He won't even have to fight. He's just going to breathe. He's going to like in, inhale. And it's like, OK, everything's gone. It's like, OK, so choose wisely. Which side you're on? You're going to be filled with the spirit of Hashem or are you going to get taken out by the spirit of Hashem? Because spirit and breath, when same word, Okay, so uh, which, by the way, the gematria of that uh, 214, 4 plus 2 is 6, plus 1 is 7. Okay, so I don't know where this thing stopped. So uh, if you are, okay, so there is a technical difficulty here. Uh, I was just looking down at my screen and the recorder said 7 minutes. So I probably have lost a lot of information, which is probably good. So I don't know where I was when this cut off because I'm in the middle of recording. But so Bezra uh, Hashem, you got some of what I was saying about the Torah being out of order and Moshe going up the mountain and and Hashemayim. I was just on a big kick about how 
the the statement for grab a hold of my throne and answer the angels for uh, contending against Moshe about why he should receive the Torah. And furthermore, why Israel should receive it because he's going to go give it to them. The word for give them a response is the word teshuva. So um, it was just like grab a hold of the throne and make teshuva because you're being asked a question. And I brought down that, you know, when we make teshuva, it's the same implication that Hashem is asking us a question. He's like, Echa, like, how did this come to be? I.e., my child. And it's just kind of like we make teshuva because when we sin, it is an Echa moment. When we turn our back on Hashem, it's an Echa moment. And what do you do in response the, literally, the word for response is teshuva. So when Moshe grabbed a hold of the throne, he made teshuva. And I was saying, and when you grab a hold of the throne, which is Mashiach, which is Yeshua, which is the Torah, grabbing a hold of Mashiach, Yeshua, the Torah, the throne of Hashem, is making teshuva. If you're not doing that, you're not making teshuva. So... Anyway, I just thought that was profound, just reading the Midrash about Moshe and Hashemayim contending for Torah. So the reason why I brought this up at all was because when Moshe was receiving the Torah and Hashemayim, as he was making Teshuva, his, his responses, i.e. his Teshuva, was being arranged for every statement that he had to recite. In other words, they were like, okay, so why should you receive the Torah? So Moshe was grabbing a hold of the throne, and he was at the bima, which kind of makes you wonder, is the throne a bima because the Torah sits on the throne like a bima? You know, like, what is that? You know, kind of thing. Anyway, uh, so I digress. So the Torah is arranging itself so that he can have an answer, like a teshuva, to respond. So when we make teshuva, we're literally rearranging ourselves. We're literally rearranging the Torah. Because you realize, before you make teshuva, you're under a sentence of death. Yes, we're covered by grace, but there's still the the blemishes and all of the, uh, the errors that deserve uh, judgment and punishment and justice for all of those wicked actions. Yes, our sins are wicked actions, which is kind of hard to believe because you're like, it was just a little sin. It was just like, yeah, it was just a little death. Like, what is that? But anyway, the Torah was rearranging itself. And so knowing how to rearrange the Torah, rearrange the letters and all this, and that the, ultimately the Torah rearranged itself anyway, when we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is brought down in Messiah text. This is why we're going to receive a new Torah in time to come, because we're going to be in resurrected form, still learning Torah. And, uh, you know, so that's something that should be motivational for praying for the final redemption, because all of us need to experience the resurrection. So we're currently in these uh, seven days of resurrection, because, you know, Tisha B'Av ended and we're awaiting Tuba B'Av which is in antiquity, the time when we finally got up out of our graves for the last time, dying in the 40 years in the wilderness. 
And so literally Tuba Av is likened to a resurrection day. And so that's what I want to say about Tuba Av and the 15th and uh, about Teshuva and about the Torah and how it rearranges and the whole idea of resurrection. This form that we're in now is going to be changed. It's going to be altogether different, just like the Torah that we will study. And it's the same Torah. And yes, we're going to have the same body, but it's going to be in eternal, immortal form. So there's a little bit of Hadash and uh, Tekiah, which is uh, resurrection, by the way, which Tekiah literally is the word Chai with a Tav in front of it which means like it shall live. So when you think of resurrection, it means what if it died or if it's a little alive or if it needs help with living, then it's going to be made helped and it's going to be made alive. It's going to perpetuate. Tav insinuates perpetuality. So there's this whole a thing about shall and to come and to be and all that kind of stuff with the letter Tav and uh, anyway, so I will Bezrat Hashem bring out some Tav information. So just want to start off with that. Um, I pray that we all begin to experience the resurrection. You know, they say, actually, according to the sources, this is brought down by Pincus Winston, uh, Rabbi Winston, like a G. Uh, he is something else. I'll tell you what. Uh, he was He's bringing down all different sources, obviously, like Zohar and uh, Hasidus and things like that. Uh, to be specific, you can talk to Agent Echad. Uh, she has so much uh, wonderful information about that. And the Geula Summit that happened, uh, that was just put on a little bit ago before the three weeks. Uh, that is some amazing uh, information about the final redemption and anticipating and looking forward to it and understanding that we have to prepare ourselves now so that we can receive the redemption uh, with the help of Hashem mercifully and not just like straight judgment like the book of Revelation. Because Revelation doesn't have to be as horrible as is written because that's how prophecy works. If a prophecy is uh, like bad and very harsh in its content, that doesn't mean that it has to come true. And it's not a false prophecy if it doesn't come true. It's only a false prophecy if it's something that is like, quote unquote, good, good news, but it doesn't happen. Which is very, very counterintuitive to our thought, right? Because we think, oh, this person prophesied something good and it happened. And it's just like. Okay, that doesn't make it a that doesn't make it a valid prophecy though. What makes it a valid prophecy, first of all, is if it comes from Hashem and if it lines up with Torah. Second of all, because we can uh, make Teshuva and literally rearrange the decrees, something that was harsh in judgment could actually be sweetened. This is the whole understanding behind we're the salt of the earth and we're the light. We can light up the darkness and salt actually sweetens judgment. This is brought down by Lakute Torah on why we salt all of our offerings that we put on the, um, the Mizbeach. That, you know, we got the red going on the altar, which is the blood, which is symbolic of Gevorah. Gevorah is very harsh. It's judgment. It represents judgment. Literally, Gevorah is like might, power, like from Gibor. 
And so uh, if you think about the red, the red is turned into white and the white is likened to chesed, which is kindness, which is sweetness. And so when we bring our red blood to the altar, like lay our lives down as living sacrifices and bring the salt with it, we take the red and the judgment with the salt to sweeten it and it goes up as white smoke before Hashem, Bezrat Hashem, because if we bring ourselves as a half offering or as an insincere offering, then that's even worse. That's like sacrificing a dog or a pig. And you know about doing that. That's just not right. So hashtag eat kosher, hashtag sacrifice yourself kosherly. Anyway, so uh, when a prophecy is negative in its decree, you can actually diminish it uh, literally in the keynote, which is the Siddur and the complete service for Tisha B'Av. It was talking about a story where uh, Yermiyahu was despised and rejected, which is just obviously Yeshiyahu 53 talking about Yisrael, talking about Mashiach, because, yes, they have the same name. Anyway, I digress. So uh, Yermiyahu was also despised and rejected. This is why one of the responses, one of the teshuvas, if you will, when Yeshua said, who do they say the son of man is? Some of them people, literally one of the verses state, some of them say you're the prophet. Some of them say you're Yermiyahu, like Jeremiah, because why? Jeremiah was despised and rejected. But anyway, so there's a little account in the preface in the keynotes about when uh, Yermiyahu was prophesying, he was telling them, hey, the temple's going to be destroyed. You're going to be sent into exile, sword, plague, famine. Whoa, all of it's coming at you. And other prophets were like, no, everything is good. Assyria is going to help us. Egypt's going to help us. Hashem is not going to send his children. Just pray. Just, you know, keep doing your idol worship. Hashem is not upset. Those kind of prophecies were going out. And these people who were doing these prophecies were literally prophets. And it's just kind of like now you can pick up on in in uh in things like Shamuel and and uh Malachim and uh Chronicles, which is Divrei Hayamim, that uh, in those accounts you can read things about, you know, a prophet who was like I invited you to come to my house and and it's like the person that got invited, Hashem told that person, even if somebody invites you to their house, don't go to their house because I just need you to show up, prophesy and leave. And sure enough, he shows up, he prophesies and on his way out to leave, another prophet comes to this prophet and is like, hey, come to my house for dinner. And it's like, sure, I'll go to your house. I'll be disobedient to Hashem in the back of his head. I don't know if that ever occurred, but it should have. So he goes to this person's house and... He eats and on his way out, he gets mauled by a lion and the lion's sitting there and the donkey's sitting there and his dead corpse is there and somebody walks by and then they're like, oh, that prophet, man, poor person. It's just like, well, he was told anyway. So just a little profit story, uh, just a little non profit on that one, like free of charge. Anyway, that was a stretch. Uh, cost me a lot for that one. OK, anyway. My point, my point is that prophecy uh, is it needs to line up with Torah. And if something is a harsh decree, it can be overturned and sweetened through Teshuvah. And in the keynotes, 
the the part of the story I wanted to get to after swerving off into oblivion over here was that uh, Yermiyahu was going with some of the exiles into Babylon and uh, they were crying and he was uh, telling them, OK, well, I got to go back to whoever's left. I don't know how anybody's left, but I'm going to go back to those who are left in the holy city to uh, comfort them. Because obviously Jeremiah 33 and all that about the new covenant and I have plans to prosper you like all of that prophecy. He's going to go do that right now. And it's just like, well, you're going to talk about that right now while everything is horrible. OK, that's going to go over like a lead balloon because now that there's destruction, you want to prophesy good. But when there was good, you wanted to prophesy about destruction. You're Yahoo. Are you bipolar? And it's like, no. Are you just not listening to Hashem? That's the question. But anyway, um, a car, right? So make the Anyway, so he he's getting ready to go back to the city and the children were crying out. They're like, how can you leave us like this? And he was just like, if only you had cried like this when I was prophesying to you before the Babylonian siege and the destruction of the temple, this would have never, ever happened. And that was kind of the end of that. So, yes, things in Revelation can occur, but Bezrat Hashem, we're all making teshuva. We're all gathering in divine sparks. We're all praying Baruch Abba Hashem Adonai, like blesses he who comes in the name of Adonai. Adonai, because Yeshua said you won't see my face again until you say that, i.e. until you're willing to accept me as your redeemer, uh, the final redemption is going to be delayed. And until Lashon Hara is completely like wiped out, y'all are stopping with the baseless hatred, uh, you know, you're just going to be left in exile. This is why the exile is hidden. Like no one knows the day, the time or the hour of when it will end. All the other exiles, we knew when they would end, but this one we didn't because it was predicated off of hidden sin, which is uh, Lashon Hara, baseless hatred. We, we hide these things in our heart. And so what do we need to do? We need to bring all that nastiness out and deal with it. And guess what? You have your Mishpachah to help you do that. So we should be helping each other detox, decompress, get all the crap out, sleek off from my language, but that's exactly what it is. It's menstrual rags, okay? It's it's horrible. It's just gross. Can we talk about something else? Yes. We're going to talk about that. We need to fix it so we can talk about something else in lieu in this uh in the uh conclusion of resolving the grossness resolving the awkwardness okay we're trying to talk about getting out of exile we're trying to talk about let the redemption begin but if we sweep stuff under the rug if we don't deal with ourselves then what good is uh redemption going to do for us because you realize you will be starting from where you are now when the redemption happens so when i think about that i'm just kind of like man, I, I need to do more. Like, am I using all my talents? Cause I don't want to, I don't want to shim to show back up and be like, I gave you 10 talents and you only use like one and a half, if that. And it's just kind of like, and what happened to the other ones? And it's just like, well, I wasn't sure time was going so fast and I had to do this and I had to do that. And then I got stuck watching cat videos. And then I was like, I need to do my chores. And then I need to do this. And it was just like, did you ever consider like, 
time management. Oh, I'm, I'm convicting myself so hard right now. Oh my gosh. Anyway, uh, did you ever time manage? Did you ever like ask for help? Did you ever like get a game plan? Did you ever even talk to me about what should your game plan be? Were you like timid about your gifts? Did you really despise your gifts? Man, this is brutal. Um, I'm not going to talk about something else. I'm going to get this out. Okay, thank you, Hashem, for illumination right now. I res I make teshuva. I mean, help me, Hashem. Okay, so, yeah, so we got to do everything to the best of our ability so that when the redemption happens, when the resurrection occurs, that we are in the best possible uh, position. You know, and so one of the things uh, Rabbi Trugman definitely brings this down that we have to pre I, I think I brought this up actually in my uh, previous GT. Uh, I, I know the first GT I talked about it, which is the whole reason why I'm doing the GT series, by the way, uh, based off of this insight. It came back from Parsha Masse about the borders of the land and how they're constantly changing and that uh, there's this whole idea that we need to expand our consciousness because the level of revelation that is going to exist as a Peshat is going to like be the sowed of the sowed, like the secret of the secret, the highest level of interpretation of Torah. Like that's that's going to be standard. So there is inf infinite levels beyond that because Hashem is infinite. And so this is why we're going to have to be in resurrected form. Because you think right now when you hear insights, you want to blow up and just like pass out, you know, pass away or whatever you want to do, like throw stuff. It's like, imagine deeper insights beyond that. Like it's going to get so deep. Um, Just look up hyperspace. Just put it that way. Like. Being able to to do surgery on an arm without even cutting the skin open. What is that? What does that even look like? You know, like you can see, okay, the arm is broken right here. So let's go ahead and do what it needs to do to mend the broken bone. Or there's an artery that's gone like messed up over here. So let's go ahead and just fix that. And it's like you didn't do any like scalpel you didn't do any gauze or, you know, patient didn't bleed out. Like that's the level of, of insanity. I mean, not insanity. I mean, it is insanity because how can you even, you know, how can you even fathom that? But that's the level that we're going to be at in the redemption, y'all. So like expanding our consciousness now and like, you know, getting this thing going, like Hashem, help us open our minds, help us to cleave and attach ourselves to you because you realize Hashem is living water. You realize Hashem is a mikvah, you know, which the waters of a mikvah are constantly, they're always fresh. And that's the thing with eternal life is it's always fresh life. Like the way we get tired now is the way we're going to be energized in the Alam Haba. Like the more we go, the more energy we'll have, you know, the more younger we'll feel, the more invigorated we'll be. So like the fountain of youth thing, that's called the resurrection. Anyway, so uh, the tree of life, the Torah, right? All of that good stuff. So I could go on and on. I've been going on and on for this. So, uh, but anyway, Parshavit Echanan. I hope I said everything I needed to say. If I didn't, there's so much information on there that I'm blue screening even as I'm talking, which is why I feel like I don't make any sense right now. So if if I sound like I don't make any sense to you, that's because I'm talking from a blue screened brain. Anyway, 
we have to expand our consciousness, be ready for the final redemption. And um, the more we do, the sweeter the judgment becomes for, you know, the return of Mashiach and the speedily and more swiftliness that it happens. All right. So headed into Tuba Av, but first, the Echanun, this Parsha is after uh, Parsha Devarim. Devarim is always correlated with um, Tisha B'Av. It's like it happens. We read Devarim and then we go right into Tisha B'Av. And then um, right after Tisha B'Av, we're in the Echanan. And the Echanan is all about, you know, getting us, you know, revamped, recharged, i.e. resurrected. Uh, because like I was saying, the Echanan actually correlates to Parsha Yitro. They're all about the giving of the Torah, recounting everything. So we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, so this Shabbat that's coming up coinciding with tuba of which i just think hashem you're just loading up our year like man baruch abab hashem adonai i really hope that we get to see yeshua sooner than later like i'm ready like man if you're not jewish if you haven't converted yet if you have not been grafted in please get grafted in immediately just because like you don't even worry about it. Just not save a niche mother thing. Like we will do and we will hear. Like, I don't know about this Jewish thing. Just do it. Okay. Just don't even worry about it. Just Jew it. All right. Jew know you Jew need to. Okay. Just Jew need to Jew it right now. Okay. Um, church, you know, work it out. People uh, move to Saturday, uh, which is Shabbat. It's not called Saturday and uh, start celebrating the feast and get rid of Xmas and get rid of Schmeister, get rid of all the other stuff that isn't even in the Bible. So look at Leviticus 23, look at Bami Bar 27, 28, 29 and 30, like go through all those feasts, you know, which are the same feasts. Uh, there's eight festivals and then there's all the minor festivals that come from Jewish history and a expounding of elucidating of, uh, events that have happened over our, over our existence in the world. And so, you know, things like Hanukkah and things like Purim and things like Tuba Av and things like Tisha B'Av, which, by the way, Tisha B'Av is called a Moed. We learned that uh, from Tisha B'Av insights that, um, you know, what was the destruction of the temple and so many tragedies of the past will ultimately be overturned into joy. And uh, what was destroyed during this day will actually be rebuilt in this day in time to come. So, uh, Lashana Haba Yerushalayim. So, may it be this year in Yerushalayim. Uh, obviously, we've passed Tisha B'Av, but may we never have another Tisha B'Av of mourning. May we have the rest of our Tisha B'Av from now on out. May they be rejoicing. No more fasting. No more destruction. No more tragedies. No more three weeks of horribleness and what is going on in creation. But may there be three weeks of just more and more increasing joy and three weeks of no tragedies and three weeks of temple building, three weeks of just rejoicing in the courtyards of Hashem, you know. Yeah, I mean. So anyway, let's get into it. All right. So, wow. Let's get into it. 30 minutes into it. All right. 
that's that's how we're gonna roll okay so i'm gonna start off with g shekel uh by the way the reason i call him g shekel is because his nickname to me is g money and money in hebrew is shekelim so or kesafim and so i'll kind of i'm gonna call him g shekel because g money is like okay how do you make that in hebrew anyway so Gadai, uh with Bet Yisrael in India. So that's his official name. Anyway, um, so yeah. So in his commentary this week, he brings down the 45th reading from the Torah and the second reading from Devarim. So now you have this idea because, you know, Devarim is a is like a whole Torah scroll in and itself. Like, if you could take the whole Torah, the five books of Torah, and then take Devarim, Devarim would be like a mini Torah scroll to like the big Torah scroll. Like, if you needed Torah on Cliff Notes, read Devarim. And so, I just think this is really cool that you have this idea that you can count all the Torah portions, like, by their number. And then, once you get to Devarim, you can start saying Devarim, the first parsha in Devarim. But yet it's the, like, if you go, so like, backing up, Parsha Devarim, you could say it's the 44th Torah portion, or you can say it's the 44th Torah portion and the first Torah portion, okay? Because like the first Parsha of the little Torah scroll, like Devarim, which by the way, if you want to think little, think like Zeron Peen. Because if you think of Hashem, which is like Ain Sof, and you want to contract that down, Zimzum is the correct term, which just means take something real huge and Ant-Man it. Yeah, Ant-Man is a verb, which, you know, he and he becomes small. Like he was big, he was Gadol, now he's, he's small. Okay, anyway, so that's Zeron Peen. That's kind of how it works. Anyway, so the Zeron Peen... Uh, version of the Torah would be Devarim and like, okay, so you got the first portion there and then you got the second portion. So the cool thing about this though, go back to the second Torah portion and that's Parsha Noach, which is kind of like the revamp of creation, like the Bereshit. Because again, we're looking at a revamp that's going on in Parsha Be'ekanon because, you know, the people who came out of Egypt, like the generation that came out of Egypt that died off in the wilderness, they're now gone. And this is the new generation that's going to go in and take the land. Some of them were born in the wilderness during the 40 years, and some of them were the children of those who perished. And so they may or may not have been at Mount Sinai, or they were very, very young when they were at Sinai. And so now... Here they are, you know, 40 years later. And so this is this week's tour portion where it's just like, let's go back through some things. What happened? And it's just like, okay, so we're a new generation. We're vamping it up. And it's like in Parsha Noah, it was just like, okay, so Noah and his family, just like Adam and his family. So yes, Adam, now we got Noah. So we have a prototype or archetype, if you will, of the second Adam. But... Obviously, it was a uh, mildly successful, uh, not to sound very, not to sound offensive or uh, to give any slight, because obviously, if it wasn't for Noah, we wouldn't have the Jewish people. 
i.e. the Semites that came from Shem, who uh, all the way perpetuated into Abraham because Abraham was grafted in. But anyway, I just digress from digressing. Um, so, yeah, so we got the whole fact of, you know, from Abraham ultimately comes Mashiach. And so now Mashiach is the true second Adam that will not fail there will not be any need to uh, tacoon that because he is the tacoon. He's already given us the first fruits. So uh, if you understand first fruits, you don't need a new first fruits after that first fruits. That is your first fruits. So, yes, you take the 16th of Nissan and connect it to Shavuot. You have your barley and then you have your full blown wheat, your full blown loaf of bread like leavened. Okay. This is the full tacoon of what began back in Tishrei, you know, from nothingness. And so now you have this whole picture of growing again. So being born again. Wow. That's uh, I did not expect that. OK. But anyway, so that's just a little idea with now we're going to be kind of breaking down. OK, it's the 45th tour portion via Canaan is the 45th tour portion, but. It's also the second Torah portion and the Zerampin Ant-Man size Torah uh, Parashot cycle. Anyway, why is that important? Because part of GT is going to be about Gematria. So I haven't really gotten too much into Gematria uh, as far as the podcasting yet. So here we go. So 45, the Gematria of 45, just because we've been on the subject like half this podcast already, is Geula, Gemel, Aleph, Vav, Lamed, Hey, Geula. So that is the Gematria of 45. The Gematria of 45, which, by the way, Geula is redemption. The other Gematria of 45 is Adam. Man. Man was meant to be redeemed, by the way, and man was meant to redeem. This is why it's such a, like, why didn't we go ahead and do it in the garden? Because Adam could have redeemed Hava, but he ate the fruit too, which is us. We would have ate the fruit too. So who can we, like, we can't even be, like, upset with Adam because we would have done the same thing. This is why it takes Mashiach. He did not do the same thing. He was like, you know what? Y'all ate the fruit. I'll become the tree from which you ate uh, that brought death. And now I'll be the tree from which you eat that's going to bring life. I will have to die in order for this to happen, like, quote unquote, because I don't know how you can kill eternal life. But how can you even shatter the Torah? You know, right? How can you break sapphire tablets? Because you realize Moshe's staff was sapphire and he threw that thing down how many times and it never broke. But yet we're going to take the same substance, the sapphire tablets, just like the sapphire staff, but they're going to get thrown down once and they break. Like what? What is this saying? So this is saying that Moshe's staff was endowed with the same thing that the sapphire tablets was endowed with before the spirit departed. So now we can look at the staff of Moshe as one Mashiach, and then we can look at the tablets as the other Mashiach, like the Mashiach ben Yosef, which Mashiach ben Yosef is meant to be a suffering servant and die, i.e. be broken. So this is why the sapphire uh, tablets were broken like Mashiach ben Yosef, but the sapphire staff, which, by the way, has life and death in it, which just like Mashiach ben David, he has eternal life in him. 
like my Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, you know, and it says you ask life and uh, life eternally. Like that whole Midrash about Mashiach ben David from Sukkah 52 about Mashiach ben David resurrecting Mashiach ben Yosef, which we know is the same Mashiach. So Yeshua literally resurrected himself, but it's considered Hashem resurrected Yeshua. This is why the the whole thing that Shaul brings down that the same power that was exerted in the body of Mashiach that raised him from the dead is the same power exerted within us to cause us to walk in obedience and eternal life. I.e. So what does it take to be Torah observant? What does it take to not spurn the word of Hashem? What does it take to live by the spirit? What does it take to live by faith? It takes the power of the resurrection, which Again, we're in that season now. This is the season of resurrection. This is why we're headed into the 40 days of Teshuvah. But first, we must 15th of Avit, which is Tuba Av, celebrate. Anyway, and this is what Adam, mankind, must do. We must walk in resurrection if we want to experience any benefit of being with Hashem. So anyway, uh, so yes, you can kind of look at the staff and the tablets, the two Mashiachs and the staff uh, never was broken. That's like Mashiach ben David, full of eternal life. And this is why Moshe had to take the staff with him to speak to the rock. He only had to strike the rock once because Mashiach only needed to be crucified once. And so afterwards, now we just speak because he's with us. This is why he says, I will send you a counselor to guide you and counsel you in truth, you know, and I'm with you. So if two or more gathered in my name, I am there also, you know. That kind of stuff. Uh, the other thing, the Gematria 45 is the word lot, which is lot be'ivrit, lamed vav tet. Now, if you take out the vav, you have lamed tet, which is the Gematria of 39, which is the number of lashes. So in order to take the lashes... And transform it into renewal and redemption, i.e. Geula and Adam, you have to put the Vav in Lot, which is the reason why Mashiach descends from Lot. You know, he removed us from our lashes because he himself took the lashes for us. And so now Mashiach being the Vav put into the Lamet Tet, which is the 39, the lashes, now we have redemption. So this is why Mashiach had to be lashed. Lot. Lamet Vav Tet. So that's the insight for that one. And last but not least, well, I want to do, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of them actually. One of the other ones is Ha-Chelev. Ha-Chelev with a Chet. The Chelev, which is Ha-Chelev with a hay in front of it is fat so like halav which is like dairy which can be by the way milk or butter or creamer this is why you want to make sure that you check your halav before you buy it because halav yisrael like dairy product cert certified kosher products can be dairy but it's just like is this whipped cream or is this butter or is this milk or is this coffee creamer like what is this you know, so you got to know <laughs> what that is. But chelev is uh, the fat that we're supposed to uh, trim from the entrails and the organs to offer up to Hashem. 
which is what's actually cited in our sedur on fast days that our chelev actually gets diminished. And so we recite in the Anenu Bracha, like as our fat has been diminished, so Hashem may it be offered, just like the the fat and the entrails were offered on the altars of all of our korbanot. So may my entrails be offered before you because I fasted today. Side note, you didn't have to have your skin cut open in order for you to offer that. So here's another concept of hyperspace. I don't know why I'm on a hyperspace kick. I was just um, looking at Benny B. He was commenting on uh, Sephirat Omer talking about infinity. And how, you know, the light is uh, Ain Sof, which is without end. And so when you really look at the light, you know, it's it's eternal. And this is why Hashem is light and the Torah is light and Yeshua is light. And why we're called light, because when we become uh, gathered in by Hashem, he illuminates the light that he's placed within us. Everyone has light in them. You just have to break out of your klipa in order to get to it, which happens through the fiery waters of Torah, which means Yeshua, which means Teshuva, Shabbat. Any of that. Okay. Anyway, so this is why we have to be immersed uh, in Yeshua. We have to be immersed in the three names of Hashem because there are three names of Hashem in the mikvah. There's the Eye, which is the I, I am that I am, I will be. You know, that one, the name Hashem gave from the burning bush to Moshe. Also, there's Adonai, which is the name that rules throughout the 12 hours of darkness. So what actually safeguards us from judgment? And then there's the Yod and Hay and Vav and Hay, which uh, permutates during the 12 hours of light. This is why we have 24 hours in a day. There's 12 hours of day and there's 12 hours of night. So, you know, your whole 24 hour cycle, you have the two names of Hashem being permutated every hour so this is why there are 12 tribes and this is why there are 12 talmudim because the talmudim correspond to the tribes the tribes correspond to the name of yodin hey and vavin hey and the talmudim correspond to the adonai why because adonai rules during the night night is likened to exile and then in exile who uh were our front runners going into exile it was the 12 talmudim which, by the way, they replaced Yehuda, and you can read that at the end of Acts chapter 1. And so, you know, there's a whole drop on that. But anyway, so this is why there's 24 elders. You can kind of look at the whole reason why there's 24 and all of that. So, day or night, we're covered by 12 tribes of Hashem. And if you think about why there were 12 Talmudim corresponding to 12 tribes, because uh, Sota, I believe it is 34 or 36, brings down that Yosef was actually supposed to be the patriarch of Israel after Yaakov and the 12 tribes were actually supposed to descend from Yosef. But because of things that happened with Potiphar's wife, uh, he only got to have two and not 12. And Benjamin actually had the other 10. This is why Benjamin had 10 sons and he corresponded their names to Yosef because they should have been with Yosef's two sons as the 12 tribes. So Yeshua is the tikkun of that, which is why his 12 sons are like 12 patriarchs, if you will, that correspond to the 12 patriarchs of the children of Israel 
literally the sons of Yaakov are called patriarchs of their tribes. And so this is why there's called the testimony of the patriarchs or the testimony of the fathers as one of the apocryphal type writings. So Levi, Yehuda, you know, so on and so forth, all 12 of them spoke to their tribes before their death and gave them, you know, admonishment, brachot, and all sorts of information. So if you ever get to read that in Legends of the Jews, that is a great read. But anyway, so through Yeshua, this is why that's the case. The only problem with us is we know about a few of them, like we know about Kepha, we know about Yochanan, we know about Matidyahu, but um, we don't really have all of their accounts, you know, as far as all of the Talmudim, as far as uh, different things that we can uh, be admonished and exhorted. And I know you may say, well, some of these things is this, it's like, yeah, but you better take that with a grain of salt because a lot of it has been tampered with, which is the whole reason for the chaos and the confusion about why people don't, quote unquote, want to do that Jewish stuff, why people think church is OK and not synagogue and why we are we're not under the law. We don't have to follow the law. Why do we have to be Jewish? Why do we have to convert? Like what's the with conversion? Conversion's all over the place anyway. Nobody has Shmika. Like if I get if I become Jewish, then I'll trample grace underfoot. Like all that kind of nonsense comes because all of the material that's sourced out from this time period. There's a whole thing about Yeshua and the Talmud, like that's a part of that. You know, stay away from that stuff. Literally, just just don't. All you, we have Torah, we have so many different resources. And yes, I know you may think, well, our Torah sources come from those who reject it, quote unquote, Yeshua. It's like, well, some of Yeshua's Midrashim are actually codified in some of our sources, which is why we can read things and line them back up with Yeshua's words. We can line them back up with some of the letters because some of these teachings and some of these insights actually got put into writing. This is why Kepha's Bracha of the Nishmat is actually a part of the Siddur service during special Yom Tov. So I'm just saying. And some of the Midrash Tankuma, which is like the oldest Midrash, uh, by the way, as far as uh, sources that we have right now, uh, it, Midrash Tankuma predates a lot of sources, even though there are sources of Midrash that go beyond Tankuma. But it's one of the most general ones that you can say is a pretty old one. Has a lot of stuff that you're just kind of like, I'm pretty sure somebody uh, was sitting around Yeshua or one of his Talmudim. But regardless of all of that, and as heartbreaking as that may sound, like I want to learn from, I want to learn from Matthias, or I want to learn from, you know, uh, what is his name, Bartholomew, and Andrew, and I want to learn from Philip. Like he had that whole thing, he was running beside somebody's chariot, and then he like was taken up, and then he appeared somewhere else. Like I want to learn from that guy. Like he seems pretty fly. Or he seems like he is, you know, in the world, but not of it. Anyway, uh, as heartbreaking as it is that we want to read those accounts, it's just like we can't. Uh, I mean, we could if we can find them. But uh, if that's even possible, can you trust it? And it's like, well, you can trust it if it lines up with Torah. But if it doesn't line up with Torah, then my friend, don't trust it. Anyway, ask me how I feel about that. Uh, and so... Just 
you know, keep reading the Basora. The Basora, by the way, rearranges to Habasar, which is the flesh. The flesh of what? The flesh of redemption. This is why it's called the Basora Hageula, the good news. So the flesh of redemption literally is the Basora, which we have a section of Basora that goes with every parasha. So torportions.org, get on there, check that out. Uh, and so you can line up your Torah portion with Yeshua's words. And it's just kind of like, what more do you need? So if you can't, if you can't like stop, you know, and be satisfied with Yeshua, then yeah, that's a rhetorical statement that I will not make, even though you're supposed to say rhetorical question. All right. So, um, uh, that's Chalev is also 45. Ha Chalev, the fat uh, and also the dairy. Um, the other thing that I want to say too about um, lot, by the way, lot actually comes from the word uh, to wrap, like what uh, Eliyahu did to his face when he heard the voice of Hashem, the still small voice, and he came out of the cleft of the rock. He wrapped his face, you know, he lot. This is what we do when we put on our tallit. We wrap our face and then we say the uh, how precious your loving kindness. O Adonai, the sons of man take refuge in a shelter in the shadow of your wings like that is called Lot. So when you think about Lot, you know, and what his name means, he has to be wrapped in Yeshua, which is why Kepha would say that Lot is actually a Zodic. He was considered a Zodic among the Sodomites like. What was that about? Because he was wrapped in Yeshua. And the whole word of Sodom, which is Samic Dalit Mem, it is the concealed Samic in the blood. Uh, Hasis Baz brings that down that you have Samic Dom. You have the Samic, which is in the Dom. The Samic is the shield, the support. And so there's all that. Anyway. So, uh, and the final thing about 45 is ma. Actually, this is the next to final thing. Bezrat Hashem, I can get out of this time vortex because here's the thing about ma. The word ma is mem hey, which is uh, the word for what, by the way, ma. So if you want to say ma zay, like what it is, like what is that, what is this, you know. That's how you say it, ma, ma, uh, ma shim ka, like, what is your name? You know, you can do that, or ma shalom ka, like, how is your shalom, or how are you doing, or ma nishma, what's up, how's it going, you know, that's, that's what those phrases mean, anyway, ma, this is brought down by the teachings of Rabbi Yosef Chaim of Baghdad, adapted by Baruch Emanuel Erdstein, by way of the Kabbalah from Chabad. So it's always good to know that when you're in these articles, what's the actual source? Don't just be like, oh, I'm reading an article from this website. It's just like, okay, who who are they sourcing this from? And what kind of footnotes are here? Uh, just to give you an idea of what kind of footnotes are here, um, they don't have any because I guess they <laughs> they don't have any because they source it out in the <laughs> in the article. So first thing up is Pirkei Avot 420. 
It says, Rabbi Meir said, do not look at the vessel, but rather at what it contains. Okay, don't look at the vessel, but what it contains. Like, okay, judge a book by its cover, obviously, because men know what's on the outside. Okay, but take it a step further. What's inside the book? What's inside the book? Because a lot of books look like ratchet which is a, a term that means uh, like it, it looks bad or it needs some help or it's uh, it's kind of disturbing. It's like somebody needs to clean that up. That's ratchet. OK, so if somebody like dirties up the house or whatever, you're like, why my house looking ratchet? But anyway, I digress. Just a little uh, slang for y'all ratchet. OK, people look ratchet if they uh, have some stuff on their face or if they are dressed inappropriately. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's the best way to use ratchet, by the way, someone who's not dressed as a newt ratchet. Okay. You should not be not Zanute. Like why you want to be ratchet. Don't do that. Anyway, that's probably, uh, LaShawn hurrah, because you don't want to call anybody ratchet, but the term used to describe that would be ratchet. Don't go call people ratchet. Just stick to ratchet is like my, my house is ratchet right now. Don't come over. I need to clean it. And it's just like, if you tell somebody my house is ratchet, please don't come over. They're going to be like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I got it. Do your thing. When your house is less ratchet, I would love to come by and see you. It's like, okay, Brugashim. All right. Anyway, keeping it moving. So don't look at the vessel, but look at what it contains. So when you come across a ratchet book and you're like, oh, this book looks horrible. It's just like, well, open it up. Because I can tell you right now, one of the books in my library is pretty ratchet. Like it's falling apart. It looks so old. It's like, where did you get this from? Like the 1700s BC? Like it looks like blow on it and you will get caught up in a tornado of dust that will choke you out. But it's an awesome book. It's called Some Aspects of Rabbinic Theology, and it has things in it like the Torah is all things to all men. Uh, the Torah is like the greatest source of joy, like all sorts of stuff. Anyway, uh, it looks crazy on the outside, but it's amazing on the inside. So same thing with people. People are vessels. So don't like just look down on people like, oh, that person stinks or oh, that person looks ugly or stuff like that, like, just stop, do not pass, go. What's inside that vessel? There, uh, There's at least one story, and I think it's in the Talmud, about a sage who was, like, looked very, like, homeless, you know, very just like, oh, this person. And it's just like, he was like a sage, though. He was, like, super, like, legit, new Torah, like, inside and out. And uh, he was questioned about, like, why did Hashem put so much amazingness in such an ugly vessel? And he's like, I want you to go to your wine cellar, take all your finest wine and put it in gold vessels. Put it in the most amazing vessels you can find. It's like, OK. And sure enough, they went and did that. And the, the wine like just spoiled. It was rancid. It became ratchet. And it's just like, see, case in point, put your wine in earthen vessels. The vessel is not what's important. It's what's inside the vessel. Obviously, you need to make the vessel look presentable. But however Hashem created that vessel, you better not disrespect it because that vessel's in the image of Hashem because we're created in the image of Hashem. So therefore, a person that you think is ugly, take two steps back and be like, I'm sorry, Hashem. I did not mean to talk about you like that. 
and pun intended, because the the person that we're looking at is a reflection of our own self. This is why we have to love our neighbors. We love ourselves because our neighbor is ourself and Hashem is our neighbor, which is why the first and last word of the giving of the Torah in Shemot chapter 20 starts off with Anoki and it ends with Recha which is neighbor. So Anoki, neighbor, I wrote myself and gave you down, gave myself to, I wrote myself down and gave it to you, your neighbor. So Hashem is in your neighbor and you're in Hashem and you're in your neighbor and your neighbors in you. So loving your neighbors, you loving yourself, not judging other people, not speaking Lashana Ra, you're helping yourself out as well as being respectful to Hashem. So anyway, back to Pirkei Avot 420. It says there may be a new vessel filled with aged wine or an old vessel in which there is not even new wine. The vessel mentioned in the above Mishnah refers to the divine name Adonai. The divine name Adonai, the Yodin Hay and the Vavin Hay. Or Slika, no, the Aleph Dalit Noon Yod. Adonai. So that name acts as a container, a vessel for the Yodenhe and Vavenhe, which is why there are four letters. You have the four inside the four, which is eight, which is the Chet, which is the Chupa, the new beginning, all of that, the festivals, because there's eight of them. Anyway, um, it says this means that when the Mishnah says, do not look at the vessel, rather at what it contains, the word what in Hebrew, ma, which is the gematria of 45, hints at zer unpin, which is an aspect of ma. Zer unpin, again, that's the Ant-Man form of the Ein Sof. Uh, it's also called in Kabbalah, the divine attributes that parallel the emotions, i.e. the seven that we count during the Omer. So Chesed, Gevura, Teferit, Netzach, Hod, Yesod, Malkut. All of those are called Zerampin. Anyway, it's a small form. It's the uh, the seven Sephiroth there. All right. So uh, it says, so the word Ma hints at this. It is also the vessel. It's Adonai, basically. And it says the numerical value of the name of the Yod and Hay and Vav and Hay spelled out with the letter Aleph. So in other words, you spell out each of the letters of Hashem's divine name, the Tetragrammaton, but using the letter Aleph, which is in, uh, which is in the vessel, i.e. the name Adonai. So, yeah. So you can go like Yod, spell out Yod, um, here, let me break this down real quick. I'm going to get a good spelling of it. Stand by. All right, so we have uh, Vav, Aleph, Vav, Vav, Yod, Vav. That's a little bit of it. Okay, let me get the full thing. Sleeka. All right. So the ma. Okay. So we got yo vav dalit, hey olive, vav olive vav, 
hey Aleph. Okay, so when you add all of those letters together, that equals 45. Okay, so side note, uh, well, no, this is not going to be a side note. This is actually going to be the rest of the commentary. This is going to get crazy real fast. So the four letters of a Shem name, when you spell out the Yod, like spell out the letter Yod, spell out the letter Hey, spell out the letter Vav, spell out the letter Hey, you can get different values depending on what letters you use. So for our 45, which is Geula, Gematria, Adam, this portion of Echanan, 45, is the 45th portion. It's also the Bet, which is the second, which is Adonai compared to uh, Hashem. So, yeah, like the second. So Adonai contains the divine name Yod and He and Vav and He. So Yod, Vav, Yod, Vav, Dalit. That's how you spell the letter Yod. And then He, you spell it He, Aleph. And then Vav, you spell it Vav, Aleph, Vav. And then He, you spell it He, Aleph. So that's how you do that. Okay. And then... Uh, to go from there back to my source. Hang on. Switching up those screens here. All right. So it says, so the name Adonai is generally associated with the part Zuf. Let's learn this fancy word face. It says a Sephira as it is joined together with others in various ways. So like uh, Chesed, uh, Chesed to So that's like a part zoof. It's joined together right there. That's a face. That's one face of many. You can take Chesed and Hod and uh, Yesod. You know, you can go all crazy connecting all the different Sephirot, which is why when you uh, look at the Sephirot, that there's all these lines in between them. Because they make part zufim, which are faces. And you can make 72 of them because that's how many there are. And each face, by the way, is an interpretation of Torah, which is why there are 72 ways to interpret the Torah. And this is why we can't get caught up with saying, no, that's not right. And no, that can't be. It's just like, well, that's just one of 72 insights. So stand by. There are going to be more. This is why we can look at the same verse and keep coming up with new revelation on revelation because there are 72 faces and those 72 faces arrange in many different ways because, you know, just like the name of Hashem, it's four letters, but it makes 12 different arrangements. Imagine the numerous arrangements you can make of 72. Just get you some of that. Anyway, so it says uh, the name of Adonai is generally associated with the Parzuf, the face of Nukva. And Nukva is basically, that's a, a Kabbalistic term. And when you look up the word Nukva, uh, not the word enclothe, Slika. Let's see here. The word Nukva is the word for female. In Aramaic, uh, and then it says this is hidden behind many symbols and words in the scriptures, such as earth, land, body, bread, daughter, woman, 
And it says, so it always returns to a virgin state. Uh, and then it says, check this out. It says, where the mezuzah is affixed is nukva, which is the gematria of mezuzah, is the same as Adonai, which is 65. Wow. The gematria of mezuzah is 65, which is placed in nukva, which is the feminine aspect of the, the door. Okay. That's, that's what we do. All right. So that's what we get for defining nukva. It's the feminine aspect. Shekinah, if you will. All right. So it says, so... Adonai is generally associated with the concept of the part Zuf, the face of the feminine aspect and the world of Asiya, the world of formation. There are four worlds, Bezrat Hashem and future podcasts. We can break down the four worlds. I realize I should have done that, but you know, as it is with GT, we're just going. So in the meantime, just know there are four worlds which correspond to the four letters of Hashem going from the highest world all the way down into the world that we are, where everything is physical and separated. As you elevate in the higher worlds, everything becomes unified and one. It, its true identity comes forth, which is why the more we get into Torah, the more we connect ourselves with Mashiach, the more we find out the oneness of Hashem and the more we find out who we truly are in Hashem. So anyway, uh, it says, so Adonai, Nukva, right, says, which serves to enclose the divine sustenance descending from above related to Zeranpin. And it says, of the four basic ways of spelling out the name of Hashem used in the Kabbalah, you have the name Ab, which is Aleph Vet or Ain Vet, which is 72 in Gematria. You have the word Sag, which is Samic Gimel, which is 63. You have the name Ma, which is 45, Mem Hey, our Torah portion. And then you have Ban, which is, by the way, the word for Ben, which is Bet Nun, which is 52. This is why I always talk about the ZZ being Ben, because there's four corners of 13. 13 times 4 is 52. Anyway, it's one of the names of Hashem. So how is the son and the father one? You can just see it right there. Just in name alone, they're one. Mashiach came in, in Hashem's name. So that's another reason. Because he's the Shem Ban. And then uh, when you add Yah, the Yodenhe, to Ban, you get Bina, which is uh, understanding. So to understand Hashem, you need the son of Hashem which is an aspect of Hashem's name, depending on how you spell it. So anyway, just want to break that down. That's the Shem Ma. That's our Torah portion. Little insight here from the green book of Humash, which is the, uh, the Talmud portions in the Torah. They are finally back up and running. Uh, this is the Milstein edition teachings of the Talmud uh, on Parshava Et Hanun. Just want to drop this down from uh, Devarim chapter 5, uh, verse 19. It says, The words Adonai spoke to your entire congregation on the mountain, from the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick cloud, a great voice that did not cease. 
and he inscribed them on two Lukot and gave them to me. By the way, the voice of Hashem was inscribed, which, by the way, when you look at the Ivrit over here on 19, it says uh, they were inscribed et hadavarim ha'ele diber Adonai el kol ke halkem behar mitok ha'esh he enan veha arafel kol gadol velo yasaf ki arva yik tevem tevem yeah tevem so like ketuv written so the the voice of Hashem was written like ketuv like ketuva like you write out your voice you write out your declaration so that's what the voice of Hashem was on the tablets it was ketuv like ketuvim which is the scriptures so this is why I'm bringing this insource down, this insight down from the source here, because when we think about the scriptures of Hashem, we have to start understanding the scriptures are the voice of Hashem. So if you really want to hear Hashem, you have to read the scriptures. And what are the scriptures? It's the Ketuvim. So the insight here, this is on page 57. It says Tanakh, which is scripture, the written Torah. Is comprised of three sections, the Torah, the Nevi'im, which is the prophets, and the Ketuvim, which is the writings. At the time of Mashiach, the books of the Nevi'im and Ketuvim will no longer be needed. See Schottenstein edition 8a, note 28. Darn, we don't have that, but okay. Uh, it says... So, by the way, at the time of Mashiach, i.e. Mashiach ben David, resurrected form, new Torah, like we won't need the Nevi'im and the Ketuvim because they are they all flow out, by the way, from that. So, again, take our higher worlds, everything as it goes higher and elevates, it becomes one. The Nevi'im and the Ketuvim are just separated aspects right now, just like we're all separated aspects because we're in exile. But we're all going to be unified, brought back up into our uh, general echadness, if you will, echadness, if you will, uh, in time to come. So anyway, that's that's what this is saying at the time of Mashiach. Like we're getting a foretaste of it now, because when we read Mashiach's words, we kind of get this idea. He's already speaking the whole unified Torah. We just got to seek it out. But anyway, it says, however, the five books of Torah will always endure. However, the five books of Torah will always endure. However, the five books of the Torah will always endure. We learn this from our Pasuk, which describes the sound of the giving of the Torah. A great sound that did not cease. Velo Yasaf. The Torah like the sound that accompanied its giving, will never cease. Reish Lakis says that the book of Esther will also continue because there too, it is written, their remembrance will not stop, lo yasuf, from their offspring. By using the same terminology, this pasuk tells us the book of Esther is like the books of Torah, in that both will always exist. 
Um, Yerushalayim Megillah 1.5. This is why, by the way, as we've been doing the Megillah series on Shabbatot, which is on Shabbats, at Sar Shalom, uh, that we call it the readings of the Megillah. And Esther, the book of Esther itself, is called the Megillah. But there's the Megillah Eka, there's the Megillah Kohelet, you know, there's the Megillah Ruth. But when you say Megillah, like the Megillah, you're usually referring to Esther. So anyway, just want to drop that down. Uh, fast forward over here. Just remember, if you want today to hear his voice, uh, study some written Torah and do what it says. Don't get tripped up by people who say, oh, the Torah is done away with. It's like because Hashem's voice don't stop. So that's why I don't do that. OK, anyway. Uh, the Gematria of at Hanan, by the way, is also 515, uh, which is the number of time Moshe prayed to Hashem. And when you look at uh, the 515, you can take 5 plus 5 plus 1, which is 10 plus 1, which is 11. And uh, you get all of the Sephirot because there's 10 Sephirot, but Keter is usually not counted in the 10. And it's like technically the 11th, but not really. So studying the number 11th, you learn about Keter, which is outside, but in all at the same time. And this is what Asav wanted to do. Asav was like, yeah, I'm in it, but not of it. Like, you know, Edom, Rome, they think. Yeah, you know, we're we live in the world, but we're not of it. You know, we're so spiritual that we don't even have to do the in the physical. And it's just like, that's not what that means, y'all. But anyway, <clears throat> so that's a little drop on 11. Oh, real quick. I was just going to do a quick little drop on 515. Uh, we got Tav, got Koof, Yod, Hey, and what do we get? We got, now that we can sing, 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 uh, Sar Yah, like uh, the Prince Hashem, the Prince Yeshua HaMashiach. We got, because uh, Yod Hey is the, uh, is the uh, initials for Yeshua HaMashiach. And then we have also Hot Yashar, which is the upright. And then uh, Nista, which is like hidden, like to hide. Okay, uh, Devarim 28.26. So just drop that real quick. On the flyby going on, Nista. Hey, uh, oh, and by the way, Nista can mean to, uh, to test because, uh, the word I'm thinking of is to hide or conceal, which is the word that Esther is based off of. And so Nista is actually based off of, uh, testing. But when you look at the word for to hide or to conceal, uh, hide my face. Uh, let's see, where is that at? That's in Devarim. Uh, Satar, to hide. Samiktav Resh. Okay, so it's Samiktav as opposed to... Samiktav Resh as opposed to Samiktav 
noon. Okay, Rish and noon. There's a difference there. All right, so learning on the fly, Brukashim. So uh, where I was trying to get to, though, we're going to say this real quick, that um, Zohar, Vet Canaan 5, Section 18, says Rabbi Eliezer said, uh, based off of Devarim 4.12, which says you heard the voice of the words, he says, we have to examine this verse. It says the voice of the words. What does it mean? He answers it that it means voice is considered speech since every speech comes from it. The voice is there unpeen and speech is malkut. But since words come from voice, malkut is called the voice of the words. Hence, it is written and Hashem spoke to you out of the midst of the fire since speech comes from the place Malkut is called fire and it Malkut is called the voice of words in other words the place of hearing Hashem's voice which comes out as words is in the fire and then it says in section 20 you heard the voice of the words but you saw no form and he asked what is a form and he answers it resembles and the similitude of Hashem, does he behold Bami Bar 12, 8, which is Malkut. This is why Yeshua, by the way, says, seek first the Malkut of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, because this is where you behold the image and semblance of Hashem, which is the sun, because the sun is the image of the invisible. We know this because that's written in Shaul's writings. He says, this was said to praise Moshe, who used to look at the shining mirror which is their unpeen and hence the similitude of Hashem does he behold. So in order to look at Hashem, you have to look in the mirror. What's called the mirror? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It's called the Torah. Just like the shiny laver is a place that holds living water, which is representative of Torah. This is why Yaakov writes, if you look at the words of Torah, you behold your reflection. And if you walk away, you don't do Torah. You forget what your reflection looks like because you stop looking like Hashem at that point. And you cover yourself in blemishes. By the way, that uh, wanted to say, yep, I'm going to skip that insight. All right. Sorry for the tease. Getting back to my point over here, my print. If I can find my window, where did I put it? There's an open window somewhere and it gone. Yep, it's gone. Okay. Oh, it's over here. Switching suits, stand by. Wanted to go back to my uh, parallel on the Torah portions and of Yitro and Vekanan. Okay, so this is from Rabbi GQ. This is my closing point uh, because as we're talking about resurrection, we're talking about getting ready for the Geula. There's a whole idea behind repair and construction, to reconstruction, Slika, tikkun and rebuilding. Okay, like rebuilding the temple, which, by the way, happens through words, which, by the way, is the opposite Slika of what we did at Tower of Babel. And if you spell Babel backwards, it's actually Levav because you go Bet Bet Lamet, which is Babel. But if you spell it backwards, it's Lamet Bet Bet, which is Levav. And this is what the Shema contains. Uh, Ve'ahavta et Adonai Eloheka beko levav ka, like your heart. And it adds a kaf at the end of that, kaf sofit to be particular. And what is the kaf? The kaf is the keter, which is the two tens, which is the animal soul 
unified with your godly soul, like you unifying your flesh with the spirit that Hashem has placed in you, and you get the kaf, and you add that to your new heart, and that is your Shema, and that is Levav, and this is the opposite of the Tower of Babel. So you rebuild a temple by your words from your new heart, and you come together with the other nations. This is why the nations are important, that they don't need to be told to be Noahs. They need to be told to be Torah observant. Because when you take all 70 languages, unify them with the Hebrew, then you get the Tower of Yeshua, the Migdol Yeshua, which is the temple, which is the Torah, which is the final redemption. So this is why Moshe, by the way, is speaking in tongues, which is just a fancy way of saying speaking in all the languages. Hashem spoke in tongues first. Moshe is just doing it because he's recounting the Torah, just like Hashem counted it the first time. Spoke it in all 70 languages because not everybody at Mount Sinai spoke Hebrew. So guess what? If you don't know Hebrew, that doesn't keep you from learning Torah. Baruch Hashem. This is why when uh, Shavuot happened in Acts chapter 2 and everybody made Teshuvah, got mikvah and converted, even though they were already Jewish, this is why that happened. Because welcome back. We're at Sinai. We're repairing and we're reconstructing. We're going now into the resurrection. So the precursor to that, though, is we got to tacoon everything, got to get our hearts right, get our lives right. Start walking in the resurrection and the life. Stop spurning Hashem. Stop breaking Torah. Stop like rejecting him. Anyway, you can see why the grace message taught by the church doesn't work because it's the opposite effect. It is the Tower of Babel. Like quit doing that. Quit babbling on and Levavit. Anyway, the Lubavitcher Rebbe style, like Lubavitcher like the the heart anyway so uh and when we build a temple it's through our prayers this is why the temple is a spiritual building that's going to come down from shemaim into the physical because in order for the physical to manifest it it comes from a root in the in the spiritual everything physical has a spiritual uh counterpart so if we want a physical temple what are we doing with the spiritual temple while we're living stones built up into a spiritual temple, the physical temple isn't manifest because our stones are kind of ratchet. We got to fix that, like repair it. OK, Levav it. So you take all these languages, you put them together, all saying Baruch Abba Shem Adonai. There you go. You have your temple. So with Rabbi GQ, he says at the center of the parsha are the second telling of the giving of Torah at Sinai and the Ten Commandments. In the annual cycle of the Torah re reading, we read about the giving of the Torah once in Parsha Yitro, close to the 15th of Shavat. Okay, which is the new year for the trees. Tuba Shavat, which happens in a January and February. And a second half year later in the Echanan, Always read close to the 15th of Av. Tuba Av. Tuba Shavat, Tuba Av, Yitro, Ve'et Hanan. All halves, all 15s. By the way, 15 in Gematria is Yod He, which is Yah, which is Yeshua HaMashiach. Okay. So now it says the account in Yitro is always read on the anniversary of the giving of the Torah. On the festival of Shavuot, 
And this way we return at regular intervals to the birth experience of the soul of Israel, like being born again. We always have to return to being born again. This is why you go mikvah after mikvah after mikvah. When you get an opportunity to mikvah, do it as much as you can because it's born again. It's like returning to the giving of the Torah. It's like going through another festival. It's like making teshuva. You're getting born again. And it says, in this way, we return at regular intervals to the birth experience of the soul of Israel. The midpoint of the months of Shabbat and Av are times when our soul began to ready themselves for actual rebirth. Forty five days later, we're in the 45th Porsche, 45 Shema, the name of Hashem that's correlated to 45, 45 in Gematria is redemption. Geula, and it says so our souls begin to ready themselves for actual rebirth. Forty-five days later, in Nisan, which is Pesach, physical rebirth, and Tishrei, which is High Holy Days, Sukkot, spiritual rebirth. The difference between the accounts of the giving of the Torah and Yitro and Ve'ekanon is the difference between before the sin and after the sin. The account of Yitro comes in days of innocence, exuberance, after the exodus from Egypt, before the fall, the worship of the golden calf, or before we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The account in Va'et Kanan comes long after the golden calf, after the deaths of Nadav and Avihu, back in Parsha Shemini, after the graves of lust, after the sin of the spies, after the rebellion of Korak, and other sins and rebelliousness or and rebellions recounted in the book of Numbers. We are older in more ways than one with the passage of time. We may have fallen into bad ways. In Ve'et Kanan, we come back to the basics again. The giving of the Torah and the ten mitzvot. This time with the purpose of learning how to rebuild and reconstruct even out the destruction and ruin. Everybody, we have to make ourselves new, and we only do that when we come back to our new birth. We always need to stay fresh, we always need to keep our garments clean, and we always need to keep our mind fixed and focused upon Mashiach Yeshua, the renewal of our souls continually, because let the resurrection begin in Baruch Abashem Adonai. That's exactly what it is. It's newness on top of newness, inside of newness, around newness, all about newness, from newness, looking towards newness, existing in newness. Can we say newness? So may we all experience the resurrection and the life. May we all see Mashiach return swiftly and soon in our days. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Baruch atah Adonai. Eloheinu melech haolam. Asher natan lanu Torah temet. Vechaye olam natabetokeinu. Baruch atah Adonai. Noten ha Torah. Amen.